Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, new information just released by the Congress on what led to the Equifax meltdown. If you were already frustrated with Equifax, wow, this is going to intensify it, what I share with you. And coming up later, if you're doing shopping for people for Christmas, you're not done with your list yet, I have a guide for you. Which retailers are the most customer-friendly on returns and which ones treat you like dirt? So I got something that I want you to really think through. Do you know what the funnel is when you're shopping for a newer used vehicle? The funnel is what it's called by marketeers in the industry. It's the brands that have successfully lodged themselves inside your brain. So when you start thinking about what brand you want to buy, new or used, you limit your search to a small number of brands, usually maybe three brands, possibly four, that you'll consider buying. And so what happens when you do that to yourself, because you're doing it to yourself, is that there may be choices that would be better for you when you're buying a used or new vehicle that you don't consider because it just flat out didn't make it in your funnel. So there is new data about what vehicles, if you buy them, are the least expensive to repair. A different thing than I've talked about, about overall vehicle reliability by brand or the most reliable vehicles, but the lowest average repair cost overwhelmingly goes to Hyundais and Kias. In this list, it's really not even close how inexpensive it is overall to do a repair on a Hyundai or Kia versus the other brands you may consider. Now, I can give you specifically based on models if you want that. But the models that have the lowest average repair cost, the Hyundai Tucson, which is a compact SUV, 2017 model, Hyundai Accent 2017, Kia Rio 2016, uh, Toyota, two Toyotas made the list, the Toyota Prius C, which is one of the versions of the Prius hybrid vehicles, it's the smallest one of them, and the Toyota 4Runner 2017, I should have said the Prius C 2014, it's the oldest of the vehicles on the list that has ultra low repair costs. So if you're looking to buy a less expensive vehicle that is one that's going to cost you very little to deal with driving it, a 2014 Toyota Prius C would make that mark. Most uh, most of the other vehicles, in fact, all the others, are 2016s or 2017s, one that has almost insignificant market share in the United States, the Mitsubishi Mirage 2017, Kia Soul 2017, Kia Forte 2016, another year of the Hyundai Tucson, the 2016, and 
the 2017 Hyundai Santa Fe Sport, which is a version of a compact SUV. So these are the vehicles that if you buy them used, these are the ones that data shows, and this is, you can see this in a USA Today, no, I'm sorry, Detroit News story, Detroit Free Press. Let's see if I can do it five more times. Detroit Free Press. You know, it's funny, I read to follow the automotive industry, I read four automotive blogs each day and the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press every day. And so I, they all start to jumble in my head where something comes from. But for you, since vehicles are the second largest expense in your life after housing, I want to make sure that you know the things that uh, putting ice water in your veins, because vehicle purchases are overwhelmingly emotional, I want you to know from a practical standpoint, the dollars and cents, how you protect your wallet the best. Randy is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Randy. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Randy. So you got a question for me about your home. I, I do, but let me thank you for everything you do. You're a great service to the consumer, but especially maybe people on fixed incomes like myself. I'm a retiree, uh, so I really appreciate what you do. I, my question is... Well, let's stop uh, for a second. I got a question for you. Okay. So uh, retirement, has it been awesome for you? I can't believe how awesome it's been. You know, like every day is a Saturday, and it's just so enjoyable. I have to change a lifestyle course, but uh, I just want to make sure I've made some good decisions. And so far, I have, so I feel reasonably comfortable with that. Well, that is great. Well, you have a question for me about making sure you take care of people you love. Tell me about that. Well, yes, sir. I th- I've heard in the past, and I was driving and couldn't write it down, but I, when I uh, uh, refinance and got a new mortgage, I went with the mortgage insurance, and I, I, I'm thinking that was a point of failure for me personally because I don't want them to get the money if something happens to me and not my wife. So I, I, I know you have great advice on that, and that's primarily my question is, what is the other vehicle that you recommend uh, as a potential to do instead of mortgage insurance with the lender? All right, so mortgage insurance is a big-time con job by the banks. And yep. it is such a terrible abuse of home loan borrowers because what they do is they trick you into buying an insurance policy that you pay the premiums on that the beneficiary is the bank that holds your mortgage. Well, they made me feel like I, if I didn't take it, my rate might be higher. So I was, uh, I guess, a little intimidated in the process, and I should have thought that maybe with a little more common sense. Well, that would be a, a terrible, reprehensible thing if the bank led you to believe that if you don't buy their ripoff mortgage insurance, that they're going to take advantage of you. We're talking about mortgage life insurance. We're not talking about more, um, private mortgage insurance, I'm gathering. Yes. Yeah, so with the mortgage insurance, they they rub real salt in your wounds, too, in that generally the premiums are somewhere around 8 to 12 times what the equivalent amount of insurance coverage would cost buying a traditional term life insurance where you would designate the loved one you want to receive the benefit of it as the beneficiary instead of insuring the bank. Correct. So every last part of it is 
uh, horrific abuse, and the sale of this stuff shouldn't even be allowed. But having said that, um, the question I have for you next, how is your health? My health is good right now. Okay, because the only time anyone would ever even remotely consider buying this trashy product is if you're in poor health and would not qualify for your own policy. And the one benefit is at least your survivor who would get the house wouldn't have to worry about making a mortgage payment. But it's much better to have an insurance policy that you own or the beneficiary owns, person who you want to receive the proceeds, and then the decision made at the unfortunate time of your passing may be very different than paying off a mortgage. There may be other much higher priorities, and you want that freedom and that choice to be in the hands of your loved one. Is your loved one your spouse? Yes. Okay, in that case, it doesn't matter which one of you owns the policy. So either of you can own the policy, and the other can be the beneficiary, or your spouse can own the policy and have the policy be on your life. Either way. So you're suggesting a term life is a better vehicle? Much better. And, and can I ask how it, old you are? I'm 68. All right. So at 68, you're going to find that insurers aren't going to be doing cartwheels about insuring you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you may have to hunt around a little to find an insurer that will offer you a reasonable deal. But I've got a lot of insurance shopping services on Clark.com, and probably you're going to find, to make it affordable, you'll want to look at like a 10-year level term insurance that'll cover you to age 78. And that decreases as time passes? The coverage stays the same. The premium stays the same from what's issued at age 68. All right. And by age 78, uh, there's not as much worry. You'll have 10 more years of the mortgage paid off. Mm-hmm. And uh, the issue of what you provide to a survivor, mm-hmm. what other sources of funds do you have to provide to your spouse? Uh, well, I've got five other sources. So I've got uh, roughly about 140k in locked in the bank and savings, and then I'm, I have a six-figure retirement. So, so your spouse is going to be just fine. I, I, other than I hope so. other than the loss of you, that's about the heart. But in terms of the wallet, <laughs> right? Yeah. So financially, she should be she should be comfortable. And that's that's what you're trying to do. And so once you qualify for a level term policy, dump that trash from the bank. And shame on banks that think it's cool to lie to people and cheat them and sell them this garbage mortgage life insurance product. Nick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Nick. Hey, Clark. How you doing, my man? Great. Thank you, Nick. You are in Wisconsin, and and there's the reason that's significant is there's something you want to do every winter. Oh, man. I'm telling you, these Wisconsin winters, they're cold, they're dreary, the days are short, and they 
suck. The summers up here are awesome. <laughs> I think that was pretty clear how you feel about it. Well, they do. They do. Yeah. I don't know why I live in a climate where the weather makes my face hurt outside, but I do. And here I am. Because, uh, because some of the nicest the people, so. wait, because some of the nicest people anywhere you could meet anywhere on planet Earth are oh, the people well, of Wisconsin. You. Yeah, we try. We try. We try to. We try to be nice and polite and courteous to our fellow person. So, uh, thank you for that compliment. I certainly appreciate that. But uh, the reason I'm calling is uh, my wife and I are wanting to get out of here for a, a week or so um, to break up the winter. Probably in February, we got some vacation time. Uh, we got some time that we have booked, but we have no particular destination in mind just somewhere nice warm where we can sit on a beach and just kind of break up the winter a little bit how about Um, hawaii hawaii i'd love to go hawaii all right so here's what's going on 2019 is going to be the year of the bargain for flying to hawaii so the story is two airlines dominate air service from the mainland u.s to hawaii that's hawaiian airlines and alaska There's more minor service from United, American, and Delta, the three full fare airlines. But Hawaiian Mm -hmm. and Alaska in particular are quaking in their boots because Southwest, any time now, is going to announce the start date for its service to the four big tourist destination Hawaiian islands. Maui, Kauai, the big island, and to Oahu, Honolulu. So there are going to be incredible fare wars. And so what I would do is I would go to google.com slash flights mm-hmm. and set up fare alerts from, is your closest Wisconsin airport Milwaukee or which one? Yeah, I, I actually live less than five miles from uh, Mitchell, which is the Milwaukee airport. All right, you're going to hate me because the odds are you're going to want to set up your alerts out of Chicago. Yeah, well, yeah, no. Because um, as you know so often... There are no the good fares. You have to drive across the border into Illinois and go to yeah. O'Hare or Midway, and that's right. going to be true for this as well, almost certainly. Okay. But Hawaii is going to be the warm weather bargain destination of 2019. If do you have a Gmail address? I forgot to ask you that. Do you have a Gmail? I do. I do. All right. So with the Gmail, you can go to Google.com/flights, set up the fare alerts from both Milwaukee and Chicago to whatever Hawaiian island or multiple islands you might like, and they will email you an alert when those fares drop. Also, at ClarkDeals.com, we're watching these Hawaii fare wars very closely. When a deal pops up, we're going to let you know. So that would be number one. The other thing from Milwaukee, Rockford, and Chicago, there's deal after deal that you can buy in early January for travel to South Florida. If Hawaii, no great deal pops up, you can always buy a deal to South Florida. Today's Clark Rages moment is just a stunner. The U.S. House Investigative Committee that handled the investigation of the Equifax data breach from last year has released its nearly 100-page report and found that Equifax was such a fail at how they handled security that it's stunning. First of all, Equifax had been warned in the winter of last year that they had a big security problem. Nobody lifted a finger 
to do anything about it. After that, the records of 157 million people were stolen. And even worse, in the follow-up, it turned out that Equifax's operation had 300 security certificates that had expired in different parts of their system. They had a critical vulnerability that went unpatched for five months. The people at their call center they set up after the data breach for two weeks was sending people to a scam site that was stealing people's information to add insult to injury. This is a company that has suffered no consequences. The Congress has looked the other way because of all the dirty money that the credit bureaus spread around Washington. And when you know what really stinks, it's that there are no consequences at this point in modern American life. If you're big enough, powerful enough, and rich enough, you can be stupid, dumb, or steal, and you get away with it. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask and post it. You may be with me on the air before you know it. So I want to talk about something as we now have just less than two weeks till Christmas. When you go to buy a gift for someone, you don't want to give them a gift that as best your intention is that you're finding the right thing with them, that they are like, wow, this is really nice. And then they want to return it because they got another one like it. Or you just missed a little on what they want. And then have the hassle, your recipient, that they want to return it and they can't. There are certain retailers that do a great job handling returns. And there are others that are very difficult to deal with on returns. So I want to tell you as you're looking where to shop the next couple of weeks, Consumer Reports put together a list of some high-volume retailers that are extra friendly on return policies. And one of them you should know from past lore, and that's L.L. Bean, that now they have restricted from what they used to do, but they give you one year to return something. And that's a pretty generous policy. Nordstrom's has no receipt required, no time limits, and no original tags needed except for fancy dresses that people have abused that who will go to a, um, a formal event and then they return the dress. That's a different category, but everything else at Nordstrom is pretty much uh, an honor system that you can bring it back to them. Bed Bath & Beyond gives you a year to return things. Costco has an unlimited return policy on all items in the store except for electronics that have pretty much an unconditional 90-day return. They do that with electronics because people were returning electronics years later and saying, that, well, they're cheaper now and just turning in the old ones. So that's why 90 days. JCPenney has no time limit on returns as long as you have a receipt. 
And the categories, that's for what they sell in the stores, mainly their clothing items, because there are four categories that don't count. Appliances, which JCPenney only got back into again recently. Furniture, fancy jewelry, no, not costume, but fancy jewelry, and electronics. Okay, so a couple of more doing a good job in how they treat you. Land's Inn, Kohl's, and here's a retailer I'm not familiar with, and if this is one I should be, and I'm sounding clueless, I apologize. It's called Orvis. I, I don't, Joel, do you know who Orvis is? Yeah, I've heard of them. I think they're outdoor retailer. Okay. All right. Now, who is not generous on returns? Apple and Newegg, two big electronics, uh, one electronics manufacturer and seller, Apple, and Newegg, a big seller of electronics, both are very difficult on returns, according to Consumer Reports. In addition, GameStop, which you cannot return anything unless you have a receipt with you, and there's a tight limit on when you can return it, as little as seven days for most of the things at GameStop. Forever 21 makes it tough for you. Barnes & Noble, Abe's of Maine, another retailer I don't know. Do you know who they are, Joel? Sounds like outdoor too, but I'm not sure on that one. Okay. It says I spend a lot of time outdoors in the wilderness. It's so weird. I used to do that so much. But that's just a sample. And so Abe's of Maine is electronics, okay, and is not generous on returns. And so that's just a sampling. But the point is when you're buying a gift for someone, you want to know what the store's policy is on returns so that if you buy something guess wrong you haven't left somebody with something they can't take back and they don't want to have because remember you are giving the gift to a recipient and you're only hoping it's what they'd like to have rob is with us on the clark howard show hi rob well hi clark what an honor it is to speak with you today well great to have you here rob thank you um i have a question regarding insurance um, I, re- I currently have homeowner's insurance for a condo, uh, it, a car, and an umbrella policy. I recently inherited a house, and I'm wondering what the advantages and disadvantages are of insuring everything under one insurance company or breaking it out. Okay, so you said right now you have condo, auto, umbrella, and you'd have one more house. Correct. Is what you, so... There is normally an advantage that is often referred to in the insurance industry as tying, that if you uh, do all your line of business with one company, that they give you a cumulative discount for having more properties or things insured with them. So it almost, not 100% of the time, but almost always, it would be cheaper to add the house to your existing policy than it would be to separate it and have it on its own policy with a different insurer. Okay. But that's an almost always, that's not an always. I see. You know, I was concerned um, because I've heard about, you know, filing a a homeowner's claim and your policy's canceled. That's why I was considering keeping the condo as one policy and the house as another policy. That is a great question. So uh, let me address that briefly here and let me tell you that 
Uh, we are posting at Clark.com a new guide to home insurance, and I'm going to explain some of it on tomorrow's show. But in terms of the cancellation thing, this is why for any policy insuring a home or condo or townhouse, I want you to take the highest possible deductible you can stomach or if you have a mortgage, your mortgage company will permit. Because homeowners insurance, because of the way the homeowners insurance industry works today, should only be used for a catastrophic loss. No small claims. Because the insurers judge you harshly for a claim regardless of the size of it. And many insurers behind our backs have a use it and lose it rule that even a single small claim will cause your homeowner's insurance to be canceled. Now, if you, But if you're in a tying situation where you have multiple things insured with one company, I've been told, and I don't know if it's true, but I've been told by, uh, I've been told this more than once by people in the insurance industry, that you're less likely to be canceled if you're in a tying situation. Oh, interesting. So again, that's only anecdotal what people have told me. I have no proof of that. I understand. Okay. So um, I would start with who you already have your stuff with. Right, and that's where I started. I'm with um, a very highly rated insurance company. Unfortunately, they've tightened up their underwriting policies, and so this this new property would not qualify. Oh, so are they going to shunt you off to a subsidiary that they have a relationship with or they own, or are they telling you they just don't want you? Um, they're, well, they're telling me they don't want me, but they're going to <laughs> consider, um, they're going to, I guess, reconsider underwriting based upon some requirements. It, it has to do with a roof, and it's not a traditional composite roof. It's a, it's a metal roof. Um, and they don't want metal roofs at your insurer. Well, so far, I haven't heard back from them, so I'm assuming they don't. Right. You're teaching me something because that's not a, a reason I've heard that an insurer has redlined people before. Right. Well, the reason is that the roof is older than 20 years old. Well, that would be a potential problem. A lot of insurers now, particularly if it's a more expensive property, will tend to send someone out to evaluate and they will come up with a punch list of uh, repairs or replacements they want done on a property before they'll underwrite it for insurance. And so that is not an unusual thing anymore, especially once you get to a home that is at a level twice the median home price in a metro area that they're more likely going to send someone to evaluate and require certain things be done. Carrie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Carrie. Hello. Nice to meet you. Well, nice to have you here, Carrie. So I you're a talented a, woman, right? Well, my daughter is. I oh, like it's your to, daughter. I like to do it with her, yes. I like to uh, participate in anything that she'll let me. <laughs> and what is your daughter's talent? Is she an artist? Well, she likes to, uh, yeah, she likes to paint, she likes to make jewelry, she likes to do lots of crafts, and so I, I find that that's our way to kind of bond and spend time together. Oh, that's neat. 
But my question is, we're, um, I signed her up. We're going to go do a local craft show this weekend. And um, it's just a one-time thing. We've never done it before. But I thought it would be a great way to introduce her to entrepreneurial you know, endeavors and just put herself out there. And I thought it would be a great way to spend time with her. But my um, going into it, I thought I would just accept cash payments. And I also have a PayPal account. But I've had a few friends suggest that I try to uh, get a card reader, but I don't know anything about them. Yeah, so if you already have a PayPal account, I don't know if you can get it in time for this weekend's uh, show, but PayPal offers a reader that you can use, and they charge you 2.7% for the processing of the charges. It's much like one you've probably used as a customer many times called Square. Yes, I've seen that. It's PayPal's competitor to Square. Oh, okay. So, so uh, if you go to PayPal, same thing, but just different. Okay. If you go to PayPal, they have a toll-free you can call and you could see how quickly you could get the reader. Yeah. For your existing account and if it's something that they can't turn as quickly as you need, see if Square can do it at squareup.com. Oh, okay. I'll look into that. But your daughter will be much more successful getting sales done if she accepts plastic people expect at any crafts fair any county fair any uh any art event that they're going to be able to pay for whatever it is they're buying with a card and so many people under age 35 have zero dollars of cash on them anyway right yeah that's a very good point thank you and square gives you the reader for free you know the card reader and oh, okay. PayPal typically charges you $15 for theirs. For theirs, okay. Well, you definitely give me some options to look into, and I appreciate it. And I hope that this turns out not to be a one event, that <laughs> your daughter is someone who is both talented art-wise and learns to be an entrepreneur. How old is she? She's 14. Oh, this is a great time and age <laughs> for her to oh, do yeah. entrepreneurial things. That's why I thought if she was successful at this, maybe it would lead into other things. So I'm trying my best to to make it as successful as possible. <laughs> well, I love that, and I hope that it does go very well for her and that she sells a lot of stuff. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark, where you post a question for me at Clark.com. And that question will either be you asking it on the air or producer Joel asking it on the air. All right, so Clark. all you do to post and ask Clark, go to Clark.com slash ask. 
Our Clark Brenda had a question. She did that. She says, Clark, uh, please tell your audience to consult insurance before totally dropping uh, a daughter or a son from an auto insurance policy. My son left for the military. I dropped him when he finally needed insurance. My insurer then considered him to have had a lapse in insurance coverage, and he was penalized with a larger premium. My insurance confirmed that when you do this, it will cost the drop driver when they get insurance again. They said I could have kept him active and that it wouldn't have had that effect. So I felt awful about this. Well, I'm really sorry that uh, she said that her son was in the military. Correct. What a way to treat somebody putting his life on the line for our country. Having said that, one thing that your son may not have thought about or be aware of is that he can join several organizations that are specifically out there to serve military personnel and their families. USAA uh, for insurance and banking as well, and Pentagon Federal Credit Union, PenFed as it's called now, the world's largest credit union, Navy Federal Credit Union, there are lots of credit unions at post. So there are a number of benefits that are out there specifically for military personnel this is how the insurer wants to play it, then your son should look at signing up with and becoming a member of USAA. All right, Clark. And uh, Joel wrote in, he says, what do you think of the You Promise You're program? You're writing things in, Joel? Sometimes I've got questions too, Clark, you know? Okay. <laughs> what do you think of the You Promise program for college savings? You Promise is great. It's not going to generate an, enough money, obviously, to make a huge dent in the cost of college. But it is essentially a lot of it free money just for continuing to do what you do. You register particular credit cards in the You Promise program, and then you will receive uh, a percent of each purchase that goes into a college savings plan known as a 529 plan. So absolutely Perfect to do, a great thing to do to grow some money for your kid's college. All right, and Andrew writes, he says, I'm confused about the health savings accounts you've talked about. Is oh, it, boy. Yeah, is it a supplemental type of account, or is it primary health insurance? I'm a small business owner looking for more reasonable family health coverage. Do we have about a day and a half to explain <laughs> this? HSAs are a phenomenally complicated concept. The first part is you buy health insurance. The health insurance has to have a high deductible attached to it, and that high deductible must meet certain requirements to trigger the plan being HSA eligible, which is this wonderful tax advantage, tax-free, it's both, savings plan, pre-tax savings plan to pay for health expenses tax-free that you have now and over the years that are the out-of-pockets. And so the... High deductible plans are marketed as being either HSA eligible or not. As long as one is HSA eligible, you buy the high deductible health insurance, and then as a companion with it, you're able to do the HSA or the savings account. And the savings accounts have traditionally not been provided by the best of places with potentially high costs. This year is the first year we've had some low-cost providers for those HSA accounts. So, yeah, they are complicated. I wish there was an easy way to explain them, but high deductible is key. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.